Let us look together at our text this morning, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 20 through 28. So we'll close out our study in Hebrews chapter 7 this morning. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 20 through 28, speaking on the topic, Jesus, our perfect Savior. No one is better qualified to be our Savior than Jesus Christ. So we'll see that here in our text. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 20 through 28. Here is God's word. And it was not without oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and would not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests who offer sacrifices daily for his own sins and then for those of the people since he did this once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of an oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This is God's holy word. Charles Spurgeon said, said this, Jesus crucified should be the Alpha and Omega of all our preaching and teaching. Woe to the man who makes anything else the main subject of his ministry. If you have left out Christ, there is no manna from heaven, no water from the rock, no refuge from the storm, no healing for the sick, no life for the dead. If you leave out Christ, you have left out the sun, you have left the sun out of the day, the moon out of the night. You have left the waters out of the sea and the floods out of the river and you have left the harvest out of the year the soul out of the body you have left joy out of heaven yea you have robbed all uh, uh, robbed all of its all there is no gospel worth thinking of much less worth proclaiming in Jehovah's name if Jesus be forgotten this is uh, 
significant because this is what the Hebrew writer, this is the point that the Hebrew writer is making to us. He is, if you read through Hebrews, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about what we do. It's not about what we have done. It's about Jesus Christ. And, 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 and at the center, the, the writer is pointing to Christ. And at the, in reality, if, if we pay attention to Hebrews, that is uh, bringing us from the Old Testament to the New Testament, if we pay attention, if we look carefully, we'll see at the center of Scripture. The center of Scripture is Jesus Christ. It is the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is greater. We've seen he is greater than the prophets. He is greater than the angels. He is greater than Moses. He is greater than Abraham. He is greater than Aaron. He is greater than any high priest. He is better. That's, this is the theme throughout Hebrews. And, and, and again, it is pointing to Christ. Uh, specifically, we've been seeing that under the, the Mosaic Covenant, the priesthood, it, it, was a, it was a great benefit to the people. It, it, it enabled the people to worship the Lord and not die. They offered their sacrifices. And the, if their sacrifices were offered in the right way, with the right heart, it was accepted by God. And, and they were able to continue to live on. But these regulations, these ceremonies from, from the Old Testament, even though they benefited the people, these ceremonies, regulations, that the, 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 and, and the law, they were weak, the writer says, and they were useless in the sense that they were able, unable to, to make the people fit or perfect for the presence of God. Look back at verse 18 and 19. It says in verse 18, for on the one hand, a form of commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. Verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope, a better hope. Jesus Christ is introduced and Jesus Christ was introduced through all that took place throughout the Old Testament. Jesus Christ was introduced to us. Through the priesthood, Jesus Christ was introduced to us through the sacrifices. Jesus Christ was introduced to us through the altar, the, 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 the tabernacle. Jesus Christ was introduced to us as a better hope. <laughs> why, why a better hope? Because these things continue forever. That they will continue on forever if Christ had not come. We would be still presenting. I said this last Sunday. We would still be, uh, well, for us, we wouldn't be able to do it because we're far away from, from the Jews. We, but the Jews would, would still be, be sacrificing animals over and over again. The priests would have been dying over and over again if Christ had not came. And this, all of these things pointed to Jesus Christ. It pointed to the fact that Jesus Christ would come. We have a better hope, the writer says, a, a better hope by which he says we can draw near to God. We, we can draw near to God through Jesus Christ and, 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 and that hope that he gives because of his perfect sacrifice. We have perfect access to God through Jesus Christ. You, you don't see that throughout the Old Testament. No one had perfect access to God. But, but there is one. Jesus Christ, 
He has perfect access. And because we are in him, if you're a believer, we too have perfect access to God. And so all, all that, the point I'm making is all of the Old Testament pointed forward to Jesus Christ. Why Jesus Christ? What, why, why Jesus Christ? Why, why point to Jesus Christ? Why is Jesus Christ significant? Because his priesthood, remember we've been talking about his priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. His priesthood is, is superior in every way to the, old, to, the, to the priesthood of the Old Covenant. And we'll see that in our test. We, we'll see here that starting that Jesus priesthood is certain. It is established. It is certain. It will forever be. Look with me at the text. In verse 20, we'll see that Jesus priesthood is established with an oath. And again, the, the writer is, is, is pointing to, the, uh, to Christ and, and his superiority of all the, the shadows in, in the Old Testament, particularly the priesthood. Notice, notice how his uh, Jesus Christ, how his priest priestly order was was established. Notice verse twenty. It says, "And it was not without an oath for those who formerly became priests." Remember, Jesus has been has been presented by the author Hebrews as our great high priest. In contrast to those who were formerly priests on the old covenant, he says, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. The those here are, is the, uh, the old covenant, the Levitical priesthood, and the method of induction into the old priesthood was according to God's command or God's instruction. Turn over to uh, Exodus chapter 20. And we'll see this. Exodus. Chapter 20. Exodus chapter 28. And we're looking at verse 1. Exodus chapter 28. And here is the instructions given by our Lord, uh, given by God to uh to uh, the people of Israel in regard to Aaron and, and uh, those who will follow, we'll see in, in chapter 29, verse 9. But, but 28, verse 1, it says, Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Notice that this is, this is instruction. This is God's command. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nahab and Abihu, and Eleazar, uh, Ithmar, Turn over to, to chapter 29, chapter 29, verse 9. This is God's command in contrast to how Christ uh, became our great high priest. Exodus chapter 29, verse 9 says this, And you shall gird Aaron and his sons, notice Aaron and his sons, with sashes and and bind caps on them, and the, the priesthood shall be theirs by a statue forever. Therefore, you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. But there is something different about Christ that the author wants us to see. The, 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 the priesthood of the Old Testament was by command, but it was not so with Christ. Christ was appointed 
priest by an oath of God. Command is it, it, it is in effect until uh, it, it is put aside by God, but an oath is is forever. And this is this is what the author says in verse number twenty one. But this one, who is he talking about? Christ. But this one was made a priest. And, and notice, this one was made a priest singular versus the priest plural with an S. There was many priests, but this one who was made a priest was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You you are a priest forever. We'll talk about this forever here in a moment. You are a priest forever. This is God's oath. This is God's solemn promise that Jesus, this is God speaking to his son in eternity past that you are a priest forever. This is an oath. God would not change his mind concerning Christ's priesthood. This is this is this is permanent. The the old covenant, the old priesthood, it was never meant to be permanent. It was temporary. It, it pointed to the need of Christ. All of those priests, all of those sacrifices pointed to the need of Christ over and over again. Sacrifice after sacrifice, priest after priest. One priest dies. Another one comes on. It pointed to the reality that there was a need for Christ. And God says here, and this is a uh, this is from Psalm 110, verse four, that the Lord would not change his mind. For he says to Christ, you are a priest forever, forever. So if you see or hear of those who call themselves priests today. Or elders or the Mormons who call themselves elders after the order of Melchizedek. That's that's false. That's false teaching, because this says of Christ, you are a priest. There, there is only one priest that we have now. There is only one priest on the scene, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Martin uh, noted this. He says, if Jehovah, who established both priesthoods, sealed one with an oath, it then must be superior. Talking about Christ's priesthood. His, his was sealed with an oath, and his was superior to the one which is not sealed. God's oath uh, concerning Christ, this oath here, that, that uh, from Psalm one ten verse four, this this oath uh, shows the 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 importance and the significance of Christ's priesthood. If God ordained Christ to be an high priest with an oath, that is important. It, it is significant that God put God swore an oath concerning Jesus Christ. He he said that I would not change my mind. Uh, about you as a priest, you are a priest forever. Laws can change, but 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 an oath cannot change. It's unchanging. And, and one author noted this. He says, "Quote the the oath declares the purpose of God in absolute fashion. It allows no it allows no qualification on the account of human weakness or sinfulness or anything else." End quote. God's uh, 
oath concerning Christ, it, it, it is it is absolute. There is nothing that you and I could do that would disqualify Christ from being priest. Nothing you and I, that's, I don't know how that sounds in your ears. There is nothing that you can do that would keep Christ from being priest. Being your high priest if you're a believer in Christ. Being your intercessor. Being the one who intercedes for you. Being your mediator. There is nothing that you and I can do that can keep Christ from his priesthood. Because it was not established by you and I what we've done, what what we've done or what we haven't done. It was established by God. The word of God. God said it and it is so. This is absolute, this is an absolute promise concerning or, or oath concerning Jesus Christ. And and behind this oath, behind this oath is God, all that he is, his character, his power, all that he is is behind this oath. And if God we know doesn't change what he says concerning Christ and his oath would not change. Because, because God is immutable. He, he doesn't change. And what he says uh, that will be, it will not change. In regards to an oath. And God swore by himself. There, there's no one greater. We, we, we saw that previously. There's no one greater by which God could swear an oath. So he swore an oath by himself. There's no one greater than him. His, his, and, and what he says is always true. And you say, what, why is that significant? Because of us. Because we're, our faith is weak. We're, 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 we're weak. Look, look at it, uh, chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse starting at verse 16. Remember this? It says, For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired this, listen, this is why God swore an oath concerning Christ. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, that is us, all those who who uh, is in Christ. So when God desired, this is God, this is God's desire. Uh, this is done because of God's desire to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose. He guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Remember, this is, this is important because these believers are going through persecution. And, and, and when, when, when the soul, uh, just think of it, even in your life, when you're going through a temptation or when you're being tried in, in a way that, that presses down upon you and puts you up on your knee, knees, the, the, the tendency is that we want to give up. Have you ever been at a point you want to give up? 
you're suffering. You don't know what's going on in your life. And and you want to you, you, you in those moments, if we told the truth, we began to call into question God's what, what God is doing in our lives. The writer says what God has 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 uh, has said about Christ. It, it 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 shows two things that that God it's impossible for God to lie. To all of those who have fled for refuge uh, might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. God has sworn an oath. Uh, uh, in, in regards to Christ's priesthood so that we can that we can have not just encouragement, but strong encouragement to hold fast to Christ and not turn away from Christ for these for these believers, for them to hold fast to Christ and not, not turn back to to the to the old covenant. The, old, the, the, the temple is still standing. The pre the, the priests are still offering sacrifice as the author uh, has written this letter. The temple is still standing. The priests is, is, are still offering sacrifices and the people are tempted to go back to that. To go back to the, the sacrifice, the sacrificial system, to go back to depending upon the priest, the priest to be a mediator. And 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 the writer is saying this is the, 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 the old covenant. Uh, the priesthood, the offering of sacrifices have been annulled. It is nullified. It is done. It is over with in Christ because God has said concerning Christ that he is a priest forever. When Christ came on the scene, he fulfilled that role that the old of mediator, that the old covenant priest had fulfilled. So, so. Christ's priesthood was established with an oath, which gives us strong encouragement. And so also we'll, we see here that, that Christ is the guarantor of a better covenant. Not only has his priesthood been sealed with an oath from God, but he's also, he himself is a guarantor of a better covenant. That's what the writer says in verse 22. And, and this is this is this is so because of God's oath. God's oath has secured the 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 permanence of Jesus priesthood. So because of that, the author says in verse 22, this makes Jesus what God's oath concerning Jesus. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The, the guarantor here is a, this is a legal term that that means that the promise promise of the, the, the new covenant, he says here, a better covenant, that the promise of the new covenant will be fulfilled on the basis of the dependability of Jesus Christ. What God promises to do uh, in this better covenant in Christ, it is based not upon man. Man doesn't guarantee that God will do this. Christ is the guarantor. He, Christ is, is the personal guarantee that the, of the terms of the, of the better covenant. He, and he secured it. Christ is the guarantor and, and he secured the, this, 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 this covenant for us by his personal sacrifice. And so he stands as the, the, the crucified lamb of God. He, he, he at the right hand of the father, he stands as a personal guarantee 
of the of the of the better covenant. He stands forever. You're talking about assurance. This is why Christ has to be the center of all that we do. And, 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 and what we teach and preach about Christ must be built upon what has been what we learn or what we have in the Old Testament. And, and, and I can probably say this, that if you if you study the Old Testament, if you know the Old Testament, that will strengthen your faith. Because it will help us to understand the cross of Jesus Christ. It will help us to understand the, the, the new covenant that which we will celebrate here as we partake of the Lord's Supper. We, we have no idea what those things mean if we don't understand the Old Testament, beloved. And as we understand the Old Testament, we understand the sacrificial system, we understand the priesthood, we understand the tabernacle, we understand, as we understand those things, those things can, can uh, uh, give us understanding of who Christ is and strengthen our hearts. And so he says, concerning Christ, who has uh, his priesthood by an oath of God, that because of this, he is a guarantee of a better covenant because God's uh, oath is reliable. It will always be. And he says in verse three, now he contrasts the, the, the priest of the old covenant. He says, verse 23, the priest, the former priests were many in number. They were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. This is this is this is contrasting the old old priest uh, and and Christ, who is eternal. The former priests, the writer says, were prevented. <laughs> they were prevented or hindered from continuing by death. Death stood in the way of their continuing mediation. One priest died. Another one come in, take his place. That priest died. Another one came in, take his place. And that happened over and over again. And they grew in number. And it signifies that 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 they would not be able to continue. Because of the fact that they will one day die. You think about churches. Uh, that has. The wall, the, the wall of fame where you go into church and it's been in a church like that where you go down the hall. There's a hall where they got all preachers, the past pastors and 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 and, and those who have labored uh, in, in, the, in that church. They got pictures of them. And, 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 it, and if you think about it, that that all pastors should realize that you won't be here forever. <laughs> So like my mama say, you shouldn't have a big head. You shouldn't think more highly of yourself than you are because in reality, God don't need you. That's what we were seeing with the priesthood. They One came on the scene and he died. Another one came on the scene and that one died. And the reality is that God didn't need the priest. He doesn't need a pastor. He doesn't need the elders.
But Christ, unlike the, the priesthood where they one died another, and was replaced by another, unlike the former priesthood, Jesus, his priesthood, his mediation is, is permanent because he lives forever. Look at verse 24, because he holds his priesthood permanently. Because he continues forever. Jesus is eternal. His priesthood is not hindered by death like man, like, like us, like you and I. There, there is no one that's going to come on and take Jesus' place. He, he'll never be superseded by anyone. There will never be anyone that comes on the scene that will be better qualified to be your savior than Jesus Christ. As one writer noted here, talking about the longevity of, of Jesus' priesthood, he noted, quote, his priesthood continuously continues forever, end quote. He says that's the language here. Jesus' priesthood continuously continues forever. Verse 25, not only is his priesthood established with an oath, not only is Jesus a, a, a guarantee of a better covenant, uh, because of the oath and because he 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 continues forever. Verse 25, he is able to save. Notice what the text says. Uh, consequently, he is able to save. And notice he didn't just leave it there. He is able to save to the utmost. He is able to save completely. And in in uh, in a complete sense, and and it is complete, comprehensive salvation that Jesus Christ brings. This word "able" here it, it it denotes the fact that that Jesus is 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 mighty to save, or He is sufficient to save. He is sufficient and mighty to save to the utmost, or 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 save forever. And this word here is in the is in the present tense. It's talking about, again, this is the comprehensive salvation right now. If you are in Christ, the salvation that Christ brings is a comprehensive salvation. If you are in Christ, there is nothing missing in your salvation. There is nothing that needs to be added. There is nothing that you need to do to add to what Christ has already done for you. There's nothing you need to add. Does this mean that we don't do good works? No, we do good works because Christ has done the work. Comprehensive salvation. Turn to Romans 8. It's one of my favorite passages. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm talking about complete salvation in every way. Comprehensive salvation. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 1. If you are in Christ Jesus, talking about the salvation that Christ brings, notice what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who walk in the Spirit. Look down at verse 28. Verse 28 of Romans chapter 8. It says, uh, uh, for, and we know that 
for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, verse 29, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom, and, and notice, notice what, 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 what Paul says here. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, notice the tense of these verbs. It's a done deal. Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he has also justified. And those whom he justified, he has already also glorified. It's a done deal. And, 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 and Paul just get caught up in, in praise in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously, graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we, those who are in Christ, are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I mean, do you hear that? We can stop the sermon right there. Christ, our high priest, is able to save to the utmost, completely. And that means that Whatever we face, whatever you are going through at this present moment, whatever struggle you're facing, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whatever challenge that you're in, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, what suffering, what sickness, whatever you're in, it will not separate you from the love of Christ. That's why it's important. Our faith is shaken when we don't know the Christ we say we believe in. And a little wind of trial or tribulation blows into our lives and we begin to shake with fear because we don't know Christ as we are. Christ is capable he is powerful to save. All other things are, are powerless in Hebrews 10 and 4, talking about the sacrifices. They're not capable of saving. They're powerless to save because they had to be offered time and time again. But Christ, Christ, he offered them up himself. We'll see this 
once and for all for us. And there is nothing, there is nothing that we can do to add to what he has done. There is nothing that we can do that will take away what he has done. And so he said, he, consequently, he is able to say to the utmost, who, does this, who is this applied to? This, 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 this is not the apostate. This is not for those who, who, uh, who, who just temporarily, they're, they're seeking God. Remember, we talked about the apostates in the church, people who, who appear to be Christians, but, but really are not. And eventually you, you will know that they're not Christians because one day they will fall away from the church. They will leave the church. They will leave, leave the, the, the faith that they, they said that they believe in. Who is it that he is writing to? He's writing to those, he says, who he is able to, to say to the utmost, those who draw near to God through him. Those who continuously draw near to God through him. Those who seek to approach God and to live in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is those whom Christ saves to the utmost. Those who will continue and persevere to the end. This is who those uh, who, who Christ saves to the utmost. These are those who draw near to God on a continuous basis. They come, they, they heard the gospel, and they continue to move in a forward direction toward God in Christ Jesus. Those who we learn are continuously producing fruit of salvation in their lives. This is not talking about the person for, for a temporary time who comes to God but then flees from him. Who, who, who flees and, and turn their back on Christ forever. Now, this is not who, who this author is talking about. Those who are saved to the utmost are those who draw near to God through him, who recognize that it is through Jesus Christ. It is only because of who Christ is and what he has done that we're able to draw near and we appreciate that fact. We cherish that fact to the point that we cling to Christ. We cling to him. This is who the writer is talking about. And, and, and we do it because of what Christ has done. He enables us to draw near to God. He, he enables us, and this is the key to understanding perfection that we talked about last week. The, the perfection that Christ brings is that he, he enables us. He puts us in a, in a position that we have, a, first of all, we have right standing before God and that we can approach him in, uh, in, in, in every way. On Wednesday nights when we have prayer service. That is because of what Christ has done. We can oppose God as father. We can join together with confidence. We can join our faith together with confidence, knowing that God hears our prayer because of what Jesus Christ has done. Don't that make you want to pray? Because all the, all the things that would keep us from God, the fear. The, the fear, the, the guilty conscience, all of those things have been dealt with in Jesus Christ. And so we're free. We're free. It's like taking off this jacket. 
all our sins have been put away in Jesus Christ and we're free. We're flexible. I'm not flexible to tear my jacket up, but we're flexible. We're capable of coming to drawing near to God. That's the blessing that we have. Why? Why is this even possible? Since the writer says, since he always lives to make intercession, because he is always there. <laughs> because he is seated at the right hand of Father with, with holes in his hand, with, with a wound in his, with a, a, a scar in his side, with, with, with holes in his feet. That he, he is always who he is and what he has done. Christ, and, and as the God man, uh, the very fact that he is at the right hand of God, he is making intercession for you and I by who he is and what he's done. He, he, he all, he, the writer says, he always lives. He's not like a priest who dies. He always lives to make, he's always, he, he, he is always, he lives for your benefit, beloved. And in his priesthood, where he's continually making intercession because of who he is and what he's done, there, there's never going to be a break or interruption in his intercession for you. <laughs> you, you know, in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it says that God never slumbers nor sleeps. <laughs> well, well, Christ, who is God, He's always on the job. And this is, again, is important for those Jewish believers who are tempted to go back to the sacrificial system. Perhaps they're going back because they 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 understand the the nature of sin. and, and, And because they understand sin like Paul understood it in Romans seven, perhaps they thought they were failures. That I just can't live the Christian life. But you got one who is interceding and he is interceding so that, uh, to the, uh, so that there's no condemnation to you. If you are in Christ Jesus, he's always there. He'll see you through all the way to the end. All the way to the end. And even when. On that day when God ordains that your life is over, Christ is still interceding. Isn't it foolish to rely upon angels or saints like the the Catholic Church on on priests, the Pope, like the Mormons who said that their elders are after the order of Melchizedek, or the, the the Catholic who even as they offer the 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 elements. They say that Jesus is being crucified again as they offer the the elements out. 
this is in a sense Christ is being re-crucified through the elements. And, and, and no wonder there lies a shipwreck. Because there's only one mediator. One who's able to say to the utmost. First Timothy chapter two, verses five through six, but there is one God. And there is one mediator between God. There, there is no other mediator between God and man. If you're listening to me online, if you're if you are embracing the Catholic faith, if you're embracing the Mormon faith, if you're embracing any other false faith that 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 sees some other way to Jesus Christ, there is only one mediator. That's good news for you. There is only one mediator, Jesus Christ. And, 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 and his word to you is, come unto me, all ye who are heavy burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. What Jesus Christ requires of you is just simply to believe in him. He's done all the work. And so Jesus is established with an oath. His priesthood is established with an oath. He is a guarantee of a better covenant because of the oath. And he is able to say to the utmost. But we see as we continue, verse 26, he is qualified. Because of his sinless, sinless nature, he, uh, he, he was able to die for us. He is, he is qualified in, in that way. Verse 26, for it, it, it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. And notice how he is described. This is, this is not a description of you and I. This is not a description of an angel. This is not a description of Abraham or Aaron or Moses. It's not a description uh, of any, any of us. It says, for it was fitting that we should have. This is the kind of high priest we have. He is holy. One who is perfectly consecrated to do the Father's will. He is innocent. Or he is blameless or without evil. He is unstained. He is, he is without defilement. He is separated from sinners in a sense that that in his holy nature, sin never had a, a, a ground to work in his life. And he's exalted above the heavens. This, you don't read these types of characteristics uh, of the high priest. This is only of our great high priest. So he is qualified in his person. He is perfect and sinless sacrifice. We see that in verse 27. This is our, our great high priest thinking of the, the old co- uh, priesthood under the old covenant. He has no need like those priests to offer de- uh, sacrifices daily for his own sins and then for those of the people. He had no need to do that like the, the high priest of the Old Testament. And which, which shows again that the, the old covenant, those under the old covenant were plagued by sin. And there had to be sacrifice. After, there, was, there, there was sacrifice on a daily basis. There was sacrifice on a weekly basis. There was sacrifice on a, on a yearly basis. So much blood 
blood everywhere, bringing aside. And it wasn't a, it wasn't, we, when you think about it, it was a bloody affair to offer a sacrifice. There was blood everywhere. And, and, and this signified that, that death had to take place in order for a sinner to be reconciled to God. And those priests, they offered sacrifice for their sins and for the sins of the people time and time again. But this reality showed that those sacrifices was not able to deal with sin in finality. So, so they had the, the, the unlike the, those of the, uh, of the high priests who had to offer sacrifices daily, it says, of Christ. <laughs> Since he did this, offered up himself as a sacrifice. He did this once and for all when he offered up himself. He didn't need to offer sacrifice for his sins because he was without sin. Second Corinthians five and 21 for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is perfect. He is sinless and he is our, the sacrifice made for our sins. A perfect sacrifice. A perfect, and again, this is significant because the temple is still standing. And the people are tempted to go and go back to the old way of doing things. But it says of Christ, he did this for once and for all. He offered up himself as a sacrifice for you and I. Once and for all. Never to be repeated because it is sufficient. And so the author said, don't don't fall back into Judaism. Uh, don't fall back into on the, to go back under the old covenant. All those things are abolished in Christ. All of those things point forward to Christ. Christ is the foundation of all of that. In verse 28, for, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of an oath which came later than the law, the law, the ceremonial law that appointed the, the, the priest, the oath came later. The oath that appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Christ has been made perfect, not by, not only by his personhood, but by what he has done for us. He is the, uh, he learned obedience, the writer says in Hebrews chapter five, and he was made perfect. And he has become the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He is the source of eternal, eternal salvation because of who he is and what he has done. And so as I close at the center of scripture, beloved, this is this is what uh, the writer is getting at. At the center of scripture, he's going to continue throughout Hebrews. But at the center of scripture is one person. It is it is one person, the God man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And 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 this is what the Reformation was all about. The Reformation was all about recovering the, the glorious truth of the glory of Jesus Christ, of his salvation, 
That's what the Reformation was all about. God saves us only through faith in him and him alone. And so, so what should we do? We should cling to Christ. Cling to Christ alone. He alone can save us. He alone can save us and keep us saved. Cling to him. It, it, it is he and he alone who enables us to draw near to God. I don't know about you, but sometimes when, you know, you miss your devotional, you do it, you do, you know, you do your devotional, then, you know, whatever time you do it and you miss one, you feel like God is upset with you. And you feel that way because you think that you're doing your devotion and it pleases God. Can I tell you, can I free you from that? Christ has already pleased God for you. <laughs> Don't feel condemned because you are, you realize that there is remaining sin in you. Let that reality, just like all of those priests and all of those sacrifices, those, that, that reality pointing to Christ, let that, let, let the reality of remaining sin in you in your flesh. Let that reality drive you to Jesus Christ. Just like the priest, just like the sacrifices pointing to Christ. Let it drive you to Jesus Christ, to cling to him, to depend upon him in all things. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for these eternal truths. These eternal truths that are found in all of Scripture about Jesus Christ. The truth that these truths never change. Every time we open up our Bible, these truths will be there before us. And we're thankful that you have given us your word, your word that is uh, is, is built upon Christ, that is, that is all about Christ from, from the Old Testament all the way through the New. We thank you that we have such a word and may this word, Old Testament, New Testament, may this word bear fruit in our lives. And, and, and may what we continue to learn about Christ enable us to enjoy our salvation. Because it is tough to live in this, this fallen world where not only we have to deal with other people's sins, but we have to deal with our sins as well. And we thank you that we have Christ who Paul says, it, those who are in him, there is therefore no condemnation. Those who are in Christ, Paul says that you will complete the work that you have begun. For those who are in Christ, they, we, we have the uh, peace and, and we're able to rejoice and, and count it all joy in, in whatever we're going through because of what Jesus Christ has done. And we thank you, Father. We thank you that we have such a Savior who saves to the utmost. He doesn't save just to, to, to the brim. He saves beyond uh, he gives us a complete salvation. 
that is comprehensive, so comprehensive that we don't understand it and we won't understand it until we see Christ in heaven uh, in, in, as we meet with him in the cloud. We'll understand it better of the complete salvation that we have in Christ. And we thank you. We thank you that Christ was able to do what no other man was able to do. We thank you that Christ is able to do what we're not able to do. And he has done it in finality. And so may we find rest in Christ for your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.